Chapter Five, Part One of the Markets of Paris by Emile This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Duty before all, Part One. The next day, about four o'clock, Lisa went to church. She had made, in honor of this intention, a very careful toilette, a black silk and a French cashmere shawl. La Belle Normande watched her until the door of Saint Eustache closed upon her. Lisa was not religious and made no pretensions to being so said that she wished to do her duty to her neighbors and to herself but she did not allow any one to speak lightly of religion in her presence and always silenced gavard when he wished to narrate some vile stories of priests and nuns she was politic and wished to respect every one's scruples besides so far as she knew priests were worthy of all respect she knew personally the abbe roustan at saint eustache and had the greatest regard for him she insisted that most people needed the daily guidance of religion she looked upon it as she did on the police as necessary to maintain order and without which no government could possibly stand when gavard declared that some day cures would be nowhere she would shrug her shoulders impatiently when lisa therefore went to church her demeanour was very quiet she had purchased a beautiful prayer-book which she opened only at the marriage and burial services she stood and she knelt at the right moments with all due solemnity in her opinion it was only right that respectable settled people should have a certain regard for the outward observances of religion on the day of which we write the fair charcutiere on entering saint eustache let the inner door covered with green cloth slip softly from her hand she dipped her fingers in the bénitier and crossed herself correctly then with a soft footfall she went on to the chapelle of saint agnes where two women kneeling with their faces in their hands waited for the third whose blue dress was seen surging over the threshold of the confessional lisa seemed to be annoyed and she said to a beadle who was passing does the abbe roustan confess to-day he replied that monsieur l'abbe would not be long now and if she chose to take a chair her turn would soon come she thanked him but did not say that she had not come for confession she determined to wait and walked about the church softly went down to the door and looked up the centre aisle to the altar the church was nearly empty but from the confessional came a low whispering she went toward it and beheld the blue robe still at the feet of the abbe roustan mercy she said to herself i could tell all my sins in ten seconds back of the great altar in the shadow of the double rows of pillars the chapel of the virgin is always dark and silent women are always there kneeling in prayer lisa stood looking about she was not nervous but she vaguely wondered why they did not light the lustres it would be much gayer than those triangular candlesticks which drop their wax constantly an old woman was at that moment taking up the large drops with a broad-bladed knife and in this profound silence she heard the roar of the fiacre rolling through the street behind the red and purple saints on the windows as she was about to leave the chapel she saw claire the youngest mahoudan enter she lighted a candle and then knelt down behind a pillar so pale and dishevelled that she looked as if she were dead believing that no one saw her she abandoned herself to an agony of prayer and tears lisa was utterly amazed never had she supposed that one of the mahoudans was religious claire in fact usually spoke of religion and of priests in a fashion that was enough to make one's hair rise on one's head what on earth has got into her said lisa as she went again toward the other end of the church can the creature have poisoned any one of her men at last the abbe emerged from his confessional 
He was a handsome man of forty with a good, kindly face. When he saw Madame Quenu, he shook hands with her and called her dear Madame, led her into the vestry where he took off his surplice, and then the two came out again, he bareheaded in his soutane, and they walked up and down one of the aisles talking in low voices. The sun was low and shone on the long windows, but the church was gradually going very dark. Lisa explained all her troubles to the abbe. There was never any question of religion between them. She never went to confession, but she had formed the habit of consulting him on all critical questions. He was always patient with her. He had advised her in regard to her investments, untied the knot of many difficult matters, recommended tradespeople, and, in short, showed himself to be a most useful friend, having an answer ready to all questions, no matter how complicated they might be, without seeking any personal benefit or any glory for religion. A word of thanks and a smile was enough. He always seemed glad to oblige this handsome woman, of whom his housekeeper always spoke with so much respect. On this occasion the matter under discussion was a most delicate one, for he was by no means sure to what extent she was authorized in interfering with her brother-in-law's movements. She asked this question and also several others, among them where she could go with her child in case of absolute danger. She wished to know if she could watch Florent and examine his papers in order to guard her husband, daughter, and herself from the consequences of his imprudence. She did not ask these questions brutally. She weighed each word she uttered, and they were so well chosen that the abbé was not compelled to enter into any personalities. His answers were somewhat contradictory, but he ended by saying that an honest nature had the right to prevent evil, or rather that it was his duty to prevent evil, even if to do so he were obliged to employ somewhat questionable means this is my opinion dear lady he said in conclusion this question of means is always a most troublesome one and one which is a great pitfall for careless feet but i know your honesty weigh each one of your acts and if your conscience is satisfied go on boldly honest natures have the marvellous faculty of putting something of their own honesty into all they touch and with a sudden change of tone he added say to monsieur quenu that i am glad to hear that he is well and to dear little pauline that i am going to see her soon au revoir dear lady may all go well with you he returned to the vestry and lisa as she went out had the curiosity to see if claire was still kneeling but claire had returned to her carp and her eels and before the chapel of the virgin there was nothing but several turned-over chairs to indicate that any one had been there when lisa crossed the square again la normande who had been watching for her knew her by the amplitude of her skirts dark as it had grown well well she said the creature has been there more than an hour what now i wonder the next morning lisa went up to florent's room she was quite sure that she should not be disturbed but was prepared to say if florent should chance to come in that she wanted to measure the bed for new sheets taking her seat at the little table she took out the drawer emptied it carefully and as she examined the papers replaced them just as she found them she examined the first chapters of the work on cayenne then the rough sketches of the proposed changes of the organization of the market these pages of fine writing did not interest her in the least and she was about to replace the drawer convinced that it was elsewhere that florent concealed the evidences of his infamous plots suddenly her hand fell on an envelope which contained a photograph of la belle normande the photograph was too dark la normande stood with her right arm resting on a broken pillar and she wore all her trinkets a much trimmed black silk 
and an insolent smile lisa forgot her brother-in-law and the terrors which had sent her there she was absorbed in one of those contemplations with which a woman when not afraid of being seen examines another woman her rival past present or to come she looked at the hair the nose and the mouth held the photograph at a distance and then scrutinized it closely she turned it over on the back was written louise to her friend florent she was tempted to take possession of this carte and use it at some future time against her adversary she decided however that this would not do that it was not right besides could she not always find it where it was the idea then struck her that she had not looked at the back of the drawer among augustine's needles and cottons between the prayer-book and the book of dreams she found that for which she was looking the most compromising notes protected simply by a sheet of grey paper the idea of a rising of the tearing down of the empire advanced one night by logre had slowly ripened in florent's brain he fancied now that it was his duty his mission and the end for which he had been allowed to return from cayenne he had formed a plan to induce the had to rise in open revolt as they held the supplies for this great city they had he felt the matter in their own hands florent was unhappy all day long his avocations were utterly distasteful to him he slept but indifferently and when he returned from the cabaret late he had nothing to do but to write and prepare the famous insurrection he had divided paris into twenty sections each having its chief a sort of general who had under his orders twenty lieutenants commanding twenty companies each week a consultation would be held by these chiefs each time in a different place he deemed it advisable also that each one of these companies should believe themselves charged with some imaginary mission which would almost effectually bewilder the police as to the setting these forces in operation the means were simple enough they would simply await the first political excitement after their organization was complete and then they would take advantage of it the details of this vague outline florent worked upon regularly every evening as if it had been a drama he was writing and sketched them on scraps of paper which each demonstrated to a keen observer the mingled shrewdness and childishness of their author when lisa had looked over these papers they fell from her trembling hands she felt as if she dared not touch them any more than she would have handled gunpowder one note terrified her more than the others it was a half sheet of paper on which florent had drawn with coloured crayons the form of the insignia which should distinguish the chiefs and the lieutenants this fact that the generals were to wear red scarfs brought the danger well home to lisa she saw the crowd pass before her shop and fire through her beautiful plate-glass windows shattering her mirrors and her marble counters her brother-in-law seemed to have attacked her personally and by his nefarious projects ruined her happiness she closed the door and looked around the room could it be possible that she had sheltered this man that he had slept in this bed and that these incendiary documents were in the drawer of that innocent-looking table which she had so long used at uncle gradelle's before her marriage she stood motionless wondering what she had best do first it was useless to attempt any drilling of canu he would never do what she wanted as she wanted him she almost decided on an explanation with florent 
but she feared that he would simply take himself off and compromise them as much somewhere else on the whole it was best to keep him under her observation she should know then the first danger and be able to take the requisite steps to avoid it when she went into the shop she found augustine in a state of great excitement pauline had not been seen for an hour to lisa's impetuous questions she could only say she was on the sidewalk by the door with a little boy i was looking at them but several customers came in one after another and i waited upon them and it was some time before i missed the child it was much i am sure it was much answered the charcutiere oh what a torment he is it was much pauline who wore a new dress that day wished to show it so she paraded up and down before the shop with all the tremendous gravity of a neat little girl who is afraid of getting herself and her fine clothes dirty her skirts were very short and stiffly starched setting out like those of a ballet dancer showing her well-fitting cotton hose without one wrinkle and her shining boots which were as blue as the sky her white apron was low in the neck and displayed her white shoulders and dimpled rosy arms she wore tiny turquoise earrings and a blue ribbon in her carefully brushed hair there was something of her mother's tender sweetness in the child expression while her whole air was that of a french doll much over in the market had seen her he had just put into the gutter some tiny dead whiting and as the water bore them away he declared they were swimming but seeing pauline so fair and fresh he forgot his fish and dashed across the gutter without shoes or stockings his torn jacket showing his shirt his mother had absolutely forbidden him ever to play with that child whose parents stuffed her until she was ready to burst but he cared little for this he stood and looked at pauline a minute or two and then went nearer and touched her blue dress pauline was flattered but she frowned and said pettishly do go away my mother does not like me to play with you at this much laughed immoderately who cares he answered promptly already cherishing in his wicked little head a plan to soil the freshness of pauline's pretty garments the child's instinct must have told her this for she retreated at once then he became more gentle what a pretty little cross that is on your neck is it your mother's pauline tossed her head and said it was her own he coasted her along as far as the corner of la rue pirouette he asked how her skirts could ever have been made so stiff at which the child coloured with pleasure but she was much annoyed that no one in the street seemed to notice her come along said much but the child refused he held up a sou and little pauline followed it blindly what do you like best he asked she did not reply at once for the truth was that she liked many things he named over several molasses candy gumballs powdered sugar the last made the child hesitate she could dip her finger into the sugar and suck it it was awfully good she was very serious but suddenly exclaimed no i like cornets best he took her hand and led her on without any resistance on her part they crossed la rue rambuteau following the wide sidewalk until they reached a grocer's in la rue de la cossonnerie which was quite famous for his cornet cornets are horns of paper in which confectioners put the debris of their bottles and boxes broken sugar plums marron glasses which have crumbled to pieces and all such odds and ends much did things in very good style 
he allowed pauline to choose her cornet which was blue to match her dress and laid down his sou when pauline was outside the shop she opened the paper and poured the contents into the two pockets of her apron and the pockets were so tiny that they bulged out then she began to eat slowly and leisurely wetting her finger to catch the tiniest crumb this naturally melted the sugar and soon two brown spots disfigured her dainty apron much laughed in mischievous glee and pulling her along he said come and play come and play they entered the square which was the place where much had originally intended to take his conquest he did the honours of the square as if it were his own domain never had pauline been so far from home the fountain was running and jean gorgeau nymphs bending over their urns gave a touch of grace to the quartier saint denis the children looked at the water falling into the huge basins and wondered if they could not creep under the evergreens against the railing much who had by this time succeeded in his fell intention of crumpling the beautiful dress in the rear now proposed that they should throw sand at each other this proposition delighted pauline's heart they threw the sand which fell down the neck of the little one's dress and ran down to her shoes and stockings much was delighted at seeing the pretty white apron becoming a dirty yellow but it was still far too clean in his eyes i know how to make beautiful gardens he said gardens murmured pauline full of admiration then as the police were not to be seen he dug several holes in the gravel walk she was on her knees in the middle of the soft earth and would suddenly throw herself forward with her lovely little arms buried up to the elbows in the sand he went to look for bits of wood and sprigs of verdure and finally ventured to break off a branch from a tree he stripped this branch into small bits which he planted in the holes dug by pauline none of which he declared were deep enough when at last their garden was made and she rose to her feet much was enchanted for she was as dirty a little object as was ever seen her very hair was filled with sand now we must water them he exclaimed clapping his hands they won't grow without water you know this was the finishing touch they left the square scooped up the water from the gutter in their hands and ran back to water the plants in their garden pauline who was fat and did not know how to run let all the water drip through her fingers so that on the sixth journey she looked as if she had been rolled in the gutter much thought her prettier when she was dirty than when clean he made her sit down and look at their garden which he declared was growing he took her hand and called her his little wife you are not sorry you came are you he asked i know lots of games and we will play them all only you must not say anything about it to mamma if you do i will pull your hair whenever i pass your shop pauline said yes again while he as a last bit of gallantry filled the two pockets of her apron with earth he gave her a little pinch out of pure mischief and she began to cry her sweets were gone her garden was made and she wished to go home but much shook his head and said he really did not know about that the little girl began to sob and he would certainly have beaten her to compel her to hold her tongue had not mademoiselle suddenly appeared on the scene good heavens she cried can this be pauline let her alone you abominable little scamp the old maid took pauline by the hand with many exclamations at the pitiable state of her garments much was not in the smallest degree frightened 
he followed them chuckling over the success of his self-appointed task and declaring vociferously that it was all the child's fault she had insisted on going with him and then she had fallen mademoiselle saget was familiar with this square she often came there and took her seat on one of the benches among the common people by her side some sallow woman was mending stockings or darning handkerchiefs while watching her dirty children at play before her here she overheard many a bit of gossip that interested her many a slanderous tale of the people of the quartier tales which emanated from the concierge and which whetted her curiosity to know more she soon learned who lived on every floor of the houses built on the three sides of the square the restaurant barat interested her particularly with its wine-shop and gay awnings she liked to watch this pasteboard-like temple affixed to a decrepit old house behind the shades she knew that good meals were being served all the time pauline was now crying bitterly the old maid placed her on a bench near the gate and said come now don't cry any more the police will come if you do i will take you home to your mother and you know that i am your friend but the child could not restrain herself and mademoiselle saget allowed her to sob until she was tired the poor little image was indescribable she had wiped her tears away with her dirty little hands and she was mud to the roots of her hair when she was calmed down the old maid said sweetly your mother is good to you is she not she loves you yes yes murmured the child and your father is good too he never whips you and he never quarrels with your mamma what do they say at night when they go to bed i don't know i am always asleep do they talk about your cousin florent i don't know mademoiselle saget put on a very severe look and rose as if to go away i am afraid you tell stories that is very wrong and if you can't speak the truth i shall go away and leave you with much much will whip you much who was leaning over the back of the bench said in his decided tone she is a little goose and she never hears anything but i know that my good friend florent turned every colour of the rainbow when my mother told him he could kiss her if he wanted to pauline lifted up her voice now in a wail of childish agony hush said the old woman shaking her violently i am not going away i will buy you some sugar too if you are quiet then you do not like your cousin florent no mamma says he is not good there now you see your mamma did say something and one night i had monton sleeping with me one night she said to papa your brother has escaped from the galleys only to take us back with him mademoiselle saget uttered a sharp exclamation and started to her feet her ray of light struck her full in the face she snatched pauline's hand and hurried her along her lips compressed but a fierce light in her eyes at the corner of la rue pirouette much suddenly disappeared in spite of the reluctance he felt to lose the pleasure of seeing the child in her muddy stockings and ruined shoes received by her mother lisa was devoured with anxiety when she saw her little pauline in this lamentable condition she was so overwhelmed that she did not think of punishing her the old woman said in her sharp voice it is that vile little much i bring her back to you and you had best be very thankful i found them under a tree in the square lisa could not speak she did not know where to take hold of the child whose skin was encrusted with dirt as was everything she wore 
but she was most exasperated by the sand in the apron pockets she pointed to the door and said leave the room you dirty little creature mademoiselle saget was quite enlivened by this scene and left the shop in radiant spirits her slender feet flew over the pavement at last she knew the truth and florent was in her power she went to the fruit market have you won a prize in a lottery said la sarriette gaily you seem to be very happy judging by your smiles ah my dear if you only knew la sarriette was charming amid her fruits her sleeves were rolled above her elbows and looked like peaches with a down upon them she had hung cherries on her ears with a recollection of what she had done as a child she had been eating berries and her mouth was stained with their juice fruits were piled before her while at the back of her stall lay melons and cantaloupes choice fruits were in baskets and reminded one of children's glowing faces seen through curtains of leaves peaches were especially superb apricots were amber-tinted and cherries were full and ripe apples and pears were piled high next transparent prunes while strawberries exhaled their exquisite perfume the wood strawberries particularly raspberries added another odour to these while baskets of grapes large heavy clusters of grapes hung over the side of the baskets and let their seeds browned and ripened by the warm kisses of the sun fall slowly one by one la sarriette lived here as in an orchard intoxicated by odours as the warm sun brought out the musky odours of the melons la sarriette would loosen her fichu and let more of her satiny throat be seen next her was an old woman who sold at her stall withered apples pears which hung like pendulous breasts and apricots that had a weird sickly look sulphur colour speckled with red but la sarriette's peaches were like her cheeks and the corners of her mouth her cherries like her lips she wanted to show mademoiselle saget some wonderful plums that had just come in but the old woman said no i have no time now i must see madame le coeur i have strange things to tell her come if you choose la sarriette could not resist the temptation monsieur jules was sitting near by take care of my stall for a little while will you she said i will be back presently he called out after her as she turned the corner no lisette i am going away i do not choose to wait an hour as i did the other day your prunes give me the headache and he walked off with his hands in his pocket leaving the stall to take care of itself the two women were by this time out of sight and out of hearing they were told that madame lecoeur was in the cellar and la sarriette went down to find her leaving her companion among the cheeses the cellar was very dark for the gas lights were few and far between and burned but dimly in the bad air madame lecoeur was at work on her butter at one of the tables near the iron gratings on la rue berger through which came a pale daylight the tables were constantly washed by floods from the faucets and were as white as snow women were working over their butter they took samples of different qualities mixed them corrected the flavour of one by adding more of another just as is done with wines they kneaded the mass before them with all their strength and squeezed out every drop of buttermilk mademoiselle saget wishes to see you aunt said la sarriette madame lecoeur stopped straightened her cap with her buttery fingers regardless of spots i have nearly done she answered tell her to wait she has something very interesting to tell you one moment was the reply she had plunged in her arms again the butter came up to her elbows 
it had been previously softened in tepid water and oiled her parchment-like skin from which the purple veins started out like whipcords la sarriette was disgusted by these ugly arms at work in this yellow mass but she remembered that she had worked there many a long afternoon and that this had been her pâté d'amande which had preserved the beauty of her pretty little hands i don't think your butter will be very good auntie i can smell it here to be sure you can answered madame lecoeur briskly but it can't be helped there are always people who are on the lookout for a bargain la sarriette thought she would not care to eat any of this butter she looked into a little jar which was full of a sort of red dye your rancourt is too light rancourt is a preparation intended to give the butter a tempting hue the butter-makers religiously preserve the secret of its manufacture it is in reality composed of anota seed with an addition sometimes of carrots and a decoction of marigold flowers come do come said the young woman impatiently mademoiselle saget is in a hurry she has heard something important about uncle gavard madame lecoeur wiped her arms hastily and followed her niece up the stairs saying anxiously do you think she can have gone but she was comforted by seeing mademoiselle saget standing among the cheeses the three women sat down close together mademoiselle saget did not speak for two good minutes and then she said slowly do you wish to know where florent comes from and who he is no one spoke very well he comes from the galleys End of chapter 5 part 1